Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey everyone, Alex here. Just a quick one before we begin to say that this isn't actually a new episode. For Mental Health Awareness Week, we remastered parts of a previous episode where we spoke about our journeys through mental health. Please enjoy the next 25 or so minutes of us speaking candidly after eating six packs of sushi from the reduced section of Tesco. And yes, don't worry, new episodes are coming soon. All right, theme music. and welcome to Why Aren't You A Doctor Yet, the only podcast that uses cutting-edge science to answer the questions that you actually have. Things like, why is the sky blue? What's up with trees? And, ah, you, this boy, you can be depressed. Hey, with your life. You will see depression when I send you back to enter country of choice. (laughs) (laughs) On my left, as always, I have Oz Ismail. Oz is a PhD student in neuroimaging and dementia, a Tinder aficionado, and once dates the meth head. That is all true. I came off Grindr onto Tinder. Are you ever going to tell us a story about the meth head? Because it's 2018. We want to know. I am I feel like I'll break it gently, episode by episode. <laughs> we got the long haul for this, man. Yeah. Yeah. And on my right, as always, I have Suhail Patel. Suhail is a cutting-edge journalist. He makes beautiful films and videos for the BBC. And he knows a lot about science. All lies. <laughs> Okay, but you. I'm sure we taught you some <laughs> stuff. No, no, because we've been getting complaints about people saying you're picking on Sahel. So like, and I'm like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to have that. I'm not picking on Sahel. Sahel, Sahel, and I have been friends for a very long time. Okay. He called me his best friend today. So I did. I did. Yeah. You fucking wasted. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought we were. Don't geez. feel betrayed. I feel betrayed. He has enough love to share. With I all do. Of Everyone's us. my best friend. That's just how I roll. So guys, we haven't put a podcast out in a while, and I'll tell you why. It's because I've been fucking depressed. Just, I lost all motivation to do anything over Christmas, and it bled into January. And yeah, it's been 
Sometimes I get that way. Do you yeah. guys ever Don't have... Don't be sad, Alex. Oh, that's... Yeah, so tell someone when they're dealing with mental health issues. Nah, fam, just don't be sad. Don't yeah. be sad. Let me don't cheer Kate you Hopkins up with this. Nice All right. It's not that deep. Don't be, don't be my parents about this. <laughs> Let no, Kate Hopkins nice... told people Let who are depressed to go big for a run. No. I cheer you up. No, but seriously, guys, have you guys ever dealt with mental health issues? Yeah, absolutely. I've um, suffered from depression in the past. Uh, just last year, I had quite a lot of anxiety issues. Um, and yeah, like you say, it comes and goes. Sometimes you have good days, sometimes you have bad days. Um, yeah. How about you, Sohel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In a, yeah. Sticking about makes me sad. <laughs> no, but it's interesting. So like... Um, so nah, genuinely. Big... No, for, for real, it's a serious issue. And talking about anxiety and stuff and, and getting depressed, you know, I think a lot of us deal with that silently. And mm. it's a big issue in society. Yeah, like for instance, so um, the most recent uh, st stats from Mind suggest that 5.9 in mm. 100 people suffer from anxiety in mm. England alone. Mm. And then for depression, it's 3.3 in 100 people. Mm. And then the next, the next most common thing is phobias, OCD post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, so yeah, it's, it is. So Sahel, out, out of all the people I know, you are possibly one of the most yeah. laid back. Do you ever suffer from mental health issues? Well, I think, like I said, man, it's everything that I, we all go through at different times in our life. And like I was saying, it could be triggered by anything. For me personally, it could be something like a girl, like women related, for example. Uh, it could be professional workplace related. Um, you know, for example, the last month, I've been feeling really stressed out at work. And I've been getting a lot of anxiety uh, about work, and 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 you know I think that's a common thing. I think there's some statistics on it. You know, up to five hundred thousand of us have workplace anxiety and stress. Um, uh, and you know, it could be little things. You know, I'm a straightforward guy. Like, you know, I'm really uh, I'm quite sincere with how, how I handle people. And sometimes the politics of the workplace can get me feeling down. Uh, you know, the long hours of work. But one thing I've learned is, you know, to embrace that anxiety. And I think, you know, Ozzy just touched upon that. It's like, you know, we all get stress and anxiety in our lives and making room for that. And, you know, uh, trying to understand that has helped me a lot, I guess. So yeah. do, you, do you ever, like, do you ever go to counselling? Me? I've never been to, like, official counselling. Like, I do a lot of stuff, like, I keep a journal, for example. Yeah? Yeah, that I write in. And it's always about women, by the way. Just to... <laughs> but, so... So do you find journaling helps? I find being able to contextualize your problems and put them in like a, for example, in a journal where you can read back on them. I think it gives you a lot of like clarity, gives you perspective on your problems and your issues. And that can be very helpful. Like whether that's writing in a journal or talking to someone professional, uh, I think perspective is really helpful. We're trying to put your own problems into context not only in your own life but you know help you keep your big eyes on the bigger picture sometimes for me anyway for as talking about depression like we talk about seasonal like uh what's the seasonal affective disorder and depression what's the how would you clinically what's the difference between having like being a little bit sad or being like full-on depressed like what is the distinction so seasonal affective disorder i if i understood understands correctly is purely based on people having uh, suffering from low mood mm. at a certain point in the year based on the fact that yeah. there's not enough sunlight and that's what triggers it basically. yeah yeah whereas where... depression does is it's it's not triggered in that way mm. there's so many different reasons why people become depressed 
Yeah. Do you know, it's funny because sometimes, like, I don't know about you guys, but, like, you know, your mood can switch quite slightly. Something can affect you and just take you to that place, can't it? Like, you know, it might be a girl not texting you back or, you know, or, you know, something at work or, and that can just trigger you to take you to that place sometimes. Don't you think? Like, oh, yeah, completely. Like, I'm, mm. so I'm, I'm doing a, a PhD and for people, that aren't doing a PhD and therefore have made good life choices. What a PhD essentially <laughs> is, is imagine being on a desert island. Yeah. And you're on a desert island um, and you're trying to build like a rocket ship out of sand. Yeah. And you're completely alone. And every so often, a person comes out of a trap door and just says, you're shit. And then goes away. <laughs> imagine that for like three years, five years, if you're in the US. That's very and sad. That is essentially so. Yeah, yeah. That's PhD. but that's that's a good point. It's like well, life wears you down. Oh, com that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. completely. And I, I thought like so. Growing up in a West African household, I was always brought up to think that depression or even mental health issues were the problem that only the affluent had, or only you know white people had these problems. It was a problem that you had when you had time to be existential and weren't thinking about just survival. Yeah. So that's interesting because so so from my sort of family background the Asian background that I come from, it was, I think people acknowledge that depression and anxiety and all these mental health issues exist. They just don't talk about it because it's seen as a, uh, a reason to be ashamed. Mm. So shame is attached to all of these mental health conditions. Mm. So you're not allowed to talk about it. It's improving now for sure. Mm. But I remember when I was growing up and my family have a lot of different types of mental health issues throughout through different parts of the family mm. and all of that was so hush hush and i had to i remember just like either read up about stuff that was happening myself or like only find out about it when i was much much older mm. and there's there's definitely a certain element of don't talk about it it's shameful and that that affected me when i was depressed when i first moved to the uk for many reasons because mm. i thought i was not allowed to talk about it because it's not something that affects brown people that's true. I think, you know, in, in ethnic minority communities, some of them, especially Asian ones, where there's a big, uh, like it's it's a big issue, like family honour and stuff like that. And mm. keeping up appearances, you know, you have this thin veneer of like, everything's okay. But I think, you know, you're right. Like looking at it in context, like a lot of people, a lot of us do get these mental health issues and we should be open and discuss them. Um, and, you know, for example, with my older brother, he's, been depressed a lot like I could tell he's got the symptoms but he won't ever admit it mm. and you know partly that's to do with honour partly it's to do with, like this pseudo kind of machoism where it's like you know I, I'm you know there's nothing wrong with me for example but if people were more willing to discuss it and be open about it and you know it, it's, it helps to have that support network around you to discuss issues and stuff and the thing is because of that stigma so I have members of my family who suffer from depression very badly at the moment mm. and they refuse to take any medication because like in the past they've grown up in this environment where they've seen other people take medication and be branded as crazy mm. and so for that reason they refuse to take medication and they don't take care of themselves because they're not actually addressing the issue yeah so for me um a lot of my mental health issues relate to the fact that i have epilepsy mm -hmm. i got diagnosed sort of quite late in life um and generally if you get diagnosed with like a, a chronic illness um especially if you're a minor um you're meant to do like counseling like from the start 
Right. Yo, my parents did not do that. They were like, oh, what's And you? why was that? Yeah. Mm. No, they come from Ghana, where, you know, if you have epilepsy, if you have, you know, disease like this, it's not, uh, you, know, you aren't always going to be able to get the medication. So think about that. Like, if that's your baseline, if that's your baseline where you, wow. you're you in a place where actually, if you have these sort of long-term chronic conditions, mm. that could be, you know, depending on your luck in life, you know, mm. how affluent you are, um, your access to these sorts of medicines, mm. you know, that could be you done. That's but w considering that, you know, you've, and that's your baseline and now you're in the UK and then you see your child has, you know, this chronic disorder and they're able to get medication like that, see the doctor like that, do anything like, you know, like that mm -hmm. and life isn't disrupted. Yo, they are fucking fine. They're, yeah. they're, like, they're like, oh yeah, that's fine. That's great. Life is great for you. Mm. But me, my baseline is very much the UK. So I'm like, this is terrible. Yeah, right. Also, I'm the one having seizures. It's like context, <laughs> yeah, yeah. isn't it? It's yeah, it's context. Complete, it's complete context. Yeah. But I was meant to have, like generally you're meant to have counseling um, and I did not have that. So I only started doing that last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yo. How's it been? Um, okay, let me tell you what happened in the beginning. This is a saga. <laughs> Shit, this is, I'm about to get comfortable. Yeah, no. Story. Go right. So people listening at home, get comfortable. This, <laughs> all right, so this has, this is a three act structure. I start from the beginning. So I was like, okay, I went to my GP. GP's really good because I went there, I said, I need a same day appointment. Mm. It got me one. I was like, yeah, this is great. And I went there and I was like, okay, I need to make something up because I can't just rock up and be like, yep, I've got mental health issues. So I started off doing a quick five minute thing about like toenail fungus. <laughs> I was like, I think I got a weird growth in my toenail, but it turned out that I actually did have a weird growth in my toenail. But like, <laughs> look, that's a non-story anyway. Like, so eventually I said, you know, I'm having sort of mental health issues. Yeah. And you need to talk about it. And they were really good. They said, okay, we don't do in-house, but um, we have someone that comes in externally. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, that's really great. They said, all you have to do to make an appointment is call them. And I was like, oh, okay, I can do that. So they wrote a number down. I was like, okay, they wrote a number down and I said, they said, you know, give them a call and then make the appointment through there and then you have it here. I was like, okay, great. So I do it. I go home and I leave for a couple of days because I'm like, I'm trying to psych myself up. Um, and then I call them. <clears throat> I call them and I get no response. I was like, okay, it's a bit weird. Call them again and someone sort of picks up and it's sort of like quite garbled and I couldn't hear it. But I had like a really shitty phone at the time. You ever have that? Like when you, you know, when you ring up and you're like. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, it's my phone is terrible. Yeah, Blake's, yeah. yeah like this, I'm, I'm on this Blake cheap phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Motorola Razr. Yeah, I'm on this super old Razr phone. Um, yeah. You get this sort of garbled noise. And I was like, uh, okay. And then I called him up again and I get an answering machine. And so I'm like, oh, okay. I immediately would hung it, hang up at that stage. <laughs> yeah. So I was, like, I was like, okay, got answering mm. machine, that's good. You know, uh, it was after five o'clock. So I was like, fine. No. And so I left my name, uh, my like, number and like reasons why I called, um, which is what you generally meant to do. And then uh, I left it. And then I was like, they haven't called me back. Also, this is a bit weird. Mm. Uh, and so I tried calling again, didn't get anyone, didn't even get an answering machine. And then I Googled the number. So, Who were you calling? Yeah, so, um, no. Right. Who do you think it was? <laughs> just, just, uh, uh, give me some guesses. It's going to be like some department store. Mm. Boris Johnson. An ex. <laughs> uh, Your university. Pizza Hut. Turns out that when I wrote the number into my phone, I mixed up two of the numbers. Yeah, God. Yeah. I did not call a therapist. I called Bristol's Prime Greek Restaurant. No way. <laughs> there is a place in Bristol right now <laughs> that knows that all knows of all of my mental health history. <laughs> knows all of my and neuroses make good Greek food? they make amazing fucking food yeah. i can never go there <laughs> <laughs> all right do you, do you know how fucking difficult it is now right now i've been conditioned now so anytime i go to counseling i do it now i do it through my university anytime i go counseling and come out i get i'm fucking conditioned i want some halloumi cheese i was gonna say <laughs> like... you know, actually you know, made it fucking worse what made it fucking worse was i had people like uh, in my group chat yeah. And I told them about this and you think people in your group chat are going to be nice and sensitive to your mental health issues. No, because all of my friends are comedians. Oh, what did they say? They're like, they were like, oh, was it therapy from a Greek restaurant? You should be souflaki. <laughs> oh, no. Don't worry, Alex. Things will get fetter. <laughs> I love a good food pun. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm all for a good pun. I fucking hate these people. <laughs> I love cheese. <laughs> no, but I think I'm just saying, like, even go, even though going through all that, mm, like, yeah. think about how funny that is. That is a journey through mental health. That's a journey through like finding mm, your place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, have you guys ever like done counselling or gone through that? Uh, many times, yeah. yeah. So when I, for me, like you say, the first time I went for counselling, it was a massive. It was a very difficult step to take because I've been conditioned to not acknowledge my mental health because it's it was it was at the time a shameful thing to to say that you were going through um so i made appointments i would not turn up or cancel i, I was at uni at the time so i would just ring up and i'll say i need some help but then i would like cancel or not turn up to the appointment it took a lot for me to actually finally go and actually talk about the stuff that was bothering me and the only way I can describe it, and I, I continued to do it for many years, and the only way I can describe it, it was like taking a box full of all my mind junk and turning it upside down and emptying it on the floor and then 
recategorizing stuff from your past like it's it's very textbook like from past childhood um hopes and fears like everything was just mixed up and i just had to empty it out and then start to recategorize them in different places i'm not saying that fixed everything like even last year i was in therapy for various reasons but what it did was it what i learned from the process is go go to therapy because it helps so much mm. and forget about or like mm. try and overcome any kind of stigma mm. that you're conditioned to 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 feel mm. because that's once you get past that the stigma is bullshit also yeah Wise words. i think that's i think that is really yeah. like it's really true but i will say something hilarious because i'm doing a phd in bath all of the therapists are like from Bath and the surrounding area. It's very difficult to explain the Black London experience <laughs> to yeah. a woman from like Somerset. <laughs> this is interesting because it's like, all, like for example, like my therapists, um, most of them, yeah, have been white women. Mm. And sometimes at the beginning, especially, I found it really difficult to like explain to them this kind of Asian experience I was having. Mm. But of course, they were brilliant therapists and they kind of helped me so much. But I think you're right. Sometimes it's it's hard to get across why you're struggling to even talk about something. Yeah. Try and tell my therapist, like, you know, I'm I'm struggling to to find my place in the world. And at the same time, like put that together with the idea that I don't believe in um, any sort of religion. You know, mm. I, I don't have that blind mm. faith. But at the same time, I want mm. to feel part of something great and I'm lacking mm. that. And she sort of said, well, you know, you, she sort of, she said to me, so you, so you lack that faith. Have you, know, have you told your parents about this? I was like, ah, what? My sister, you want me to die? <laughs> yeah, it's like, damn, <laughs> like, what? You want, yeah. you want them to kill me? Hey. Look, so this is, yeah, this is the other thing. So like, I, I had a similar experience with talking about my sexuality because that was one of the, when I first moved to the UK, that was one of the, one of the many reasons why I was struggling. You know when you go to like a hot country and you get off the plane and that warm air hits you? I mean, my the, hair was The crazy. idea that you, you came off that plane yeah. from Bahrain and just, <laughs> you yeah. like, like fucking Sailor Moon transformation. Yeah. Just to come out fabulous. <laughs> just just like, literally no frizz. <laughs> just um, like on the plane, you were like perfectly closeted. And then as soon as you walked out, bam. Yeah, bam. Rainbows <laughs> shot out of the air. Just unicorns and all type of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I hope. I, I'd like to think that was my experience. But, yeah. No, seriously, like it was, it was very difficult to talk to someone because I was not used to talking about sex, let alone sexuality. Mm. So it was so difficult and you, you were taught uh, especially from where I came from, like to not talk about sex and sexual stuff. Yeah. So it was so difficult to like even open that door and like be like, you know, I am experiencing this thing and I want to talk about it, but I don't know how and I don't know how to connect with you because it's difficult on so many levels. You know, in a way, you must have felt quite trapped in that when in during that time before the, you had the outlet to talk yeah. about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Quite isolated. I was going to say, like, when mm. I've never gone through something like that because, again, like, my dad was, my dad was a gynecologist. So, if there was one thing I learned by the age of eleven, if not my nine times tables, it's what a vulva was. <laughs> so, what's it like not being able to talk about sex and stuff? So, it's very. So, I was. It's very. It's very. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at my own joke. <laughs> I, it's it's really hard to like even imagine it because so my sister went back to Sri Lanka recently and she found all our childhood books and she found this biology textbook where she was like I brought this back because it's the it's the place where I actually learned about sex because we didn't have like until until you got to your GCSE level they didn't teach you about sex like really? we didn't have sex education 
So, and it's so funny. Where, where was I, this? Bahrain? In Sri Lanka. Okay. And then I picked up this book and I was like, holy fuck. Like, this is exactly the book where even I learned about sex. So yeah. how old were you? I did my GCSEs when I was like th- 13, I think. Shit. Isn't that normal? Yeah, no, no, that's no, 15. That's, that's 15. 15. Um, see, this is, this is why the international community are beating us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they learn about sex later, but they're doing GCSEs earlier. No, but then, then we like learned about the biological process that is like making like human life. Mm. But I remember as a child sex. reading this book and like being like, oh, this is interesting that <laughs> like penises and vaginas have other uses because yeah. nobody told us this. So yeah. can, you, can you say it again? Imagine you're reading the books. Well, it, it said something like, this is etched into my brain. Um, the man puts his erect penis into the woman's vagina. Uh, sperm is uh, ejaculates from the man's penis into the woman's vagina and it like swims up um, the uterus into the fallopian tubes and fertilizes an egg. Can you do that in a sexy voice? No, don't, don't, because I'm going to put R. Kelly under all of this. <laughs> <laughs> so having that difference, like from somewhere that's quite conservative coming over here, mm. and did that take you a long time to adjust in how you were thinking about talking, even being able to communicate parts of what you were thinking? Yeah, d- definitely. So like, because when I, I first moved here for uni, and obviously everyone's like getting off at everyone at uni, and I, for me, that was like a, that, that was part of, that was part, form part of my culture shock mm. where I was like, I am not used to people just, just be like having casual sex. Yeah. Especially for me, that was a very young age for people to be having sex. Mm. And so it was very difficult for me to even talk about it. And, you know, I, I remember like not like my friends would try and like when they tried to talk about sex I would just avoid I was so awkward about it yeah and then now, now like all I talk about is like sex 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 I was gonna say cause as long as I've known you <laughs> like, like wow. every stand up routine is me talking about sex so we're like wow so you must have gone through um, like an amazing process there um, sort of being able to understand more about yourself and having that mm. sort of introspection yeah but I had to like it went like I had to go through that process of you know, culture shock and then all these different emotions coming to me and then manifesting as like a form of depression. And I was I was so, so depressed. Like my uni days were some of my darkest days. How long did that last for? Uh, a few years. Because it's I was I was really happy for the first six months I was in the UK. And then suddenly, bam, I was like, I hate everything. Like I don't belong here. I don't belong in myself. I don't understand what myself, I don't understand my own emotions because we didn't talk about sexuality, we didn't talk about sex, we didn't talk about all of these things that were kind of coming at me at such speed. <laughs> you said it, not us. <laughs> but I think the I'm good sorry. point. I think, so, so, yeah. so, 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 do, so, do you think counseling helped? Like going mm. to counseling? So, the, the first lot of counseling helped me to just get past that shame. And just be like, acknowledge that something is wrong. Acknowledge that it's having a really, really bad impact on you. Sometimes even physically. And do something about it. And so that helped me get past that barrier of going to counselling. But I didn't really do it properly at uni. And it's only after I left. And when I went back to counselling again, then I did it properly. I was like, I'm going to go for my appointments. And I'm going to go for the therapy. I'm going to do the things that they're trying to help me with. Exactly. You can do it. Like you can start, stop as many times as you want. It's Mm. no like right way of doing it. It's Mm. just 
actually yeah. eventually and also that, that that helped me realize that just because you do counseling doesn't mean you're fixed you know and i think that was that was again that was like a misconception that i had and probably from like seeing people go for therapy on tv oh my god they're fixed like i really thought i could go for counseling once or twice and they'll fix me and then that realization that no this is like a journey that you have to take with you for maybe the rest of your life so guys we've come to the end of the program i think a great way to round it off would be hearing what would you tell yourselves 10 years ago <laughs> mine would be just keep going for therapy and also the, the one thing i've realized is that it like I would tell myself that it always it will always get better, but the thing is, when you go through those ups, when you go through the downs, it's always hard. No matter how many times you've been through it or through therapy, when you go through the downs, it's hard to tell yourself that it's going to get better. But reminding myself that it has gotten better in the past helps me. Mm. What about you, Sahel? Uh, I would say don't give a shit what people think. You know, just focus on you and try and be be do good in your own life and to your mates and that and people you love and then don't worry about the rest of it guys i think those are some really beautiful points those answers are of course wrong the correct answer is invest in bitcoin invest in bitcoin quickly buy bitcoin as i don't understand <laughs> bitcoin <laughs> i've been alex and i've been joined by sahel and oz yo See yo you later peace and this has been why aren't you a doctor yet bye catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.